You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation brought to you by Go Wild. Go Wild is one of the fastest growing social media applications for your mobile device. It's an app, right? And similar to Facebook or Instagram, it is a place for outdoor enthusiasts to meet and share their passion for the outdoors. So for more information, go to the Google Play Store or wherever you download your apps and download the Go Wild app. Or you can visit timetogowild.com for more information. Let's get outside. It's time to go wild. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Iowa Sportsman Podcast, the number one source for hunting and fishing information, strategy and tactics, as well as conversations surrounding conservation efforts and other outdoor activities in the great state of Iowa. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and this episode of the Iowa Sportsman Podcast starts right now. All right, joining us right now, Mr. Dan Turner. How you doing, man? Good, yourself? Can't complain. I don't know where you live in Iowa, but I'm sick of the snow. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, one of the worst winters I can remember. So I actually don't live in Iowa. I live in the very northeast corner of Missouri right now in Canton, okay. Canton Missouri. So. Okay, that's a gray area, right? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, so we're going to talk about jerky today, and you wrote an article on uh, for the Iowa Sportsman Magazine about jerky, and uh, we're going to get in, into that. But before we get into that, we're going to BS for a little bit. So, where do you live, and what do you do for a living? Uh, I live in uh, Canton, Missouri, which is the very northeast corner of the state. I live right on the Mississippi River. It's about uh, 25, 30 miles from Keokuk. Um, so, spent uh, most of my adult life in Iowa. Grew up in Iowa. Um, still call Iowa home. It's just, uh, you know, still go back to Iowa a lot to do, uh, some fishing. Um, but, uh, right, right now I'm calling Northeast Missouri home. So I, uh, work for Lewis County Ambulance down here, uh, Lewis County Ambulance District specifically as a, uh, paramedic, which is what I've been doing for the last, been a paramedic for almost 20 years now. Gotcha. Okay. So, uh, you've seen some crazy things, I take it. Uh, yeah, I got a brain full, so. <laughs> <laughs> man, that's nuts. Uh, I always, uh, I've had, I've had police officers on, I've had bomb technicians on, uh, other podcasts and it's cr- like, they can, they can tell some crazy stories and I, I almost don't want to ask any questions because I know it can go down a big giant rabbit hole <laughs> if, if we do. <laughs> yeah. Quick, fast and in a hurry. That's for sure. That's so. right. Yeah, the nice thing about public safety, we're all a big family, whether it's, you know, bomb technician or an EMT or, you know, for a firefighter, we're all 
we'll all sit down and we'll all eat dinner and we'll tell some nasty stuff, you know, <laughs> while we're eating dinner. So it would turn other people's stomachs some days, I think. So. I believe it. I believe it. So uh, how did your 2018-19 season go? Coincidentally, the worst deer season of my life. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, yeah, it, uh, I ended up getting one. Um, but uh, just uh, started off with uh, having a lot of missed opportunities. And I have two young children, and uh, one of them is seven years old, and she likes to sit in the deer stand with me. And uh, so I had her out for the first few times while it was nice and warm. And um, when I had a couple shots at, you know, some freezer meat, some does, she moved just a little bit and took away my shot opportunities. And, um, and the season just kind of kept going at that pace. I never did see a shooter buck, which in Missouri, you have to have four points on one side. Um, I never did see one. Um, but, uh, yeah. I ended up getting one for the freezer and then that was about the size of it. So right. I'm hoping to redeem myself next year. But we'll just have to see. You're not blaming your daughter, are you? Oh, no, not at all. I mean, she, 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 she's just a seven-year-old being seven. and That's I, right. You know, it's kind of my fault. I, I thought I had her sheltered, you know, so she could move a little bit and, and not spook them. But, I mean, the deer just looked at the, the right time or the wrong time, however you want to see it. And, yeah. You know, and that was the end of that. So. Yeah. That's, uh, that happens, man. Uh, that's one thing that I'm – like, my daughter, she's getting ready to turn six this weekend, and – I'm, I, I really want to take her out and get her involved, but I know like her at home, if she's anything half like she is at home out in the woods, I don't know if she's quite ready yet. Yeah, exactly. I, uh, in hindsight, you know, I put her in a two man tree stand. I have a harness for it and everything, you know, and it fits her perfect. And, but it's, and I tried to wrap burlap around a stand to kind of hide some movement, but, uh, in hindsight, I just need to figure out better spots for pop-up lines and, you know, and get her in a black face mask and, yeah. you know, and just make it so she can be seven and, you know, and not, you know, disturb the hunt. So, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, you gun hunt and bow hunt? Yeah, mostly bow hunt, but, uh, I do gun hunt, you know, a few days a year, just, you know, cause it's still deer hunting and I do like, you know, rifle hunting a little bit, yeah. but, uh, mostly bow hunt. So on a normal year, right, you're saying this year was kind of a down year for you, but on a normal deer, how many deer do you try to take to fill the freezer? Uh, at least four or five. Okay. And you only got one so, this year. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I only got one. So yeah. um, I uh, I raise sheep uh, and lambs, you know, uh, as, you know, it's kind of a hobby here, you know, so we supplement the freezer with those as well. But, uh, you know, last year I had three um three nice deer to fill the freezer you know the first year or excuse me the three years ago when i was still in iowa i put six in the year before that five you know so i'm been kind of disappointed moving to the state but i'm still trying to find my hunting areas too so but yeah. uh, we, we eat a lot of venison yeah so there's was there any way that you could work in canton but live in like the southernmost tip of iowa so you could like i know guys who travel an hour to work just so they can be a resident in Iowa. Yeah, we seriously considered that. Um, the problem is, is we, when we decided to move to Missouri, because my wife has family here, you know, we started looking around and actually found the farm. Yeah. You know, so we found you know, a ten-year-old house, you know, with thirteen acres, you know, for the price we wanted, and the annual taxes are nine hundred bucks. Yeah. You know, and there's no way that I can find that deal in Iowa. So yeah. it just 
you know, it's where we ended up. And, and we're fine with it. There's a lot of other perks to living in Missouri as well. It's just, uh, you know, the deer hunting is nothing comparable to Iowa, which, you know, lots of states can say. So. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So deer jerky, right? Uh, how? Yep. Let me let me ask you this. What was your learning curve when you, you know, however many years you've been making jerky, what was your learning curve to get that from where you started to where you are today refining that process? Um, believe it or not, about five batches. Uh, it wasn't near as many as I anticipated. Um, I did a lot of reading, a lot of researching. I got a couple of buddies that, you know, do a lot of meat processing on their own. So I feel like my learning curve was shortened dramatically than trying to learn it all on my own you know, by trial and error, um, you know, which I try and do with everything. I mean, there's no sense, you know, doing a bunch of failures if you are reinventing the wheel, if you can learn from what everybody else has already learned, you know? So, um, so then five back, I'd say the first two batches, I was just kind of playing around with the whole process. And then the last three batches, I was actually trying to, you know, perfect the recipe that I liked, um, which is the one that coincidentally is published in the magazine this month. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. So roughly five batches, uh, was, is that five batches in five years or multiple batches throughout a shorter period of time? Uh, probably over three years. Okay. Um, yeah. Gotcha. So when it comes to uh, cooking jerky or making jerky, um, during the, the actual breakdown process and, you know, deboning the meat and getting everything off the deer. Is there anything special that you do at that point before you're making the jerky, you know, to get to start the process? Well, there's specific muscles that I like to use. Um, you know, I, I, believe it or not, tenderloin is actually makes really good jerky, but you know, in my opinion, it's kind of a waste of, you know, of the best, you know, right. muscle on the meat, the best meat on the deer. So, right. um, I tend to use the, the hindquarters, you know, there's a couple of really big muscles in the, in the deer, uh, whether it be the round or the sirloin, um, that, that make excellent jerky. And the reason they make excellent jerky is because they are so lean. Uh, there's, there's nothing to trim off them as far as fat. There's very little, um, you know, sinew or silver skin or, or tendon, um, fibers to deal with. So, um, you're just getting pure, you know, red meat, and that's that's what makes the best jerky. Right. So, what cut specifically do you like to use? Uh, the round steak um, and the uh, sirloin. Okay. Um, so it's kind of hard to describe, you know, without showing pictures. But you know, on the hind leg of the deer, there's one big round muscle, kind of looks like a football. Yep. Um, that's uh, probably my favorite. And then there's another one um, just off of that one that kind of looks uh, it's more square. It has bigger fibers to the meat, um, and that's probably my second favorite to use. Gotcha. Okay, so once you pull, once you pull that those muscles off that meat off the deer, uh, what's the next step? Make sure I get all the fat off. I don't want any fat. I don't want any silver skin whatsoever. Okay. Um, once that's off, I usually just stick it in the freezer and and wait till I'm ready to do jerky. Um, I do that for two reasons. Number one, I don't have time to deal with making jerky when I'm cutting up deer and trying to process the rest of it. Uh, and two, I want it frozen when I go to cut it. Um, when you cut jerky, it has to be uniform. If you don't have it uniform, not only will it cure at different rates, but it'll also uh, smoke and dehydrate at different rates. So if you have a piece that's a quarter inch thick as compared to a piece that's an eighth of an inch thick, 
you know, by the time that quarter inch piece is cured um, and smoked and dehydrated, that one that's only an eighth inch thick is going to be super salty and super dry. Yeah. You know, so you, you got to have them all uniform. Okay. So, you know, so when you're, when you're cutting meat, you know, if you think about it, just a flaccid piece of, you know, room temperature meat, you know, it, it can be very hard to get anything that's uniform or a straight cut, you know, just because it is so, you know, flaccid and spongy. Um, so what I do is I freeze it solid. When it's in the freezer, I take it out of the freezer and put it in the refrigerator for 36 to 48 hours until it, you can just kind of push your finger into it. So there's still ice crystals in it. It's still partially frozen, but it's still cuttable. And so when it's at that point, I know I can take it out of the refrigerator. I can slice it nearly uniform, whether I'm just doing it freehand with a knife or using, you know, like a jerky board or something. Uh, but I get nice uniform cuts that way, straight cuts, smooth cuts, um, and I can control my knife, you know, a lot easier than if it was just a, a flaccid, spongy piece of meat. Okay. So this is a, this is a solid piece of meat. You're not grinding anything. Um, no, you can grind for jerky. It's just not my preference. You know, I like, you know, the cowboy jerky style. Yeah. Okay. What's the difference between that in your opinion? Um, when you grind it, uh, you can use any cut of meat you want. It doesn't matter where it comes from. Um, but again, you still have to have all the fat out of it. Um, if you leave the fat in there, uh, it tends to go rancid. It can uh, disflavor the meat uh, substantially, and it can also spoil the meat as well as that fat turns rancid. Gotcha. Okay. So so the first big step is cleaning all the fat off of it, right? And then you freeze it, right? Yep. Okay. Then you, uh, you thaw it out just a little bit so you can get a uniform cut of the uh, of the meat. Now, as you're, as you're cutting this meat after, or after you cut it, do you let it thaw out the rest of the way? Or do you, do you begin the the process with it still partially frozen? I usually just throw it right in the brine, um, or my cure mixture, you know, when it's partially frozen, it'll finish thawing out in there. Um, you can let it thaw out the rest of the way. It won't hurt nothing. Uh, the curing process will start quicker, obviously. Um, but most of the time I just throw it in just to save time and, you know, gotcha. just let it thaw out in the brine. Gotcha. So what's, uh, what makes a good brine? You know, that's one of those things where there's endless possibilities to how you can do it and the recipes you can use. You know, it comes down to personal taste. You know, there's a, you can put liquid smoke in it. You can make it sweeter. You can make it salty. Um, you know, you can kind of give it a tomato based flavor. Um, you can use teriyaki, uh, there's just countless, countless combinations. You know, some people like it really, really spicy. Some people like it really, really sweet. It's just kind of what your preference is and what your taste is. Gotcha. So is that where is the brine, the, the portion of the uh, process that the flavor is added? It's not added before or after that? Um, mostly. Mostly, uh, the okay. biggest... Yeah, mostly. The biggest thing that the brine is doing, you know, a brine has to have salt in it, and a lot of them have sugar. And so what's happening is when you put that meat in the brine is that it is it's not only pulling moisture from the meat, but it's also, you know, it, it's it's crossing the barrier, you know. So there's there's water coming out, and there's salt and sugar and flavor and spices or whatever else is in that brine going into the meat. And so what that salt and sugar does is it attacks bacteria, uh, attacks microbes that are in the meat, that actually cause spoilage. Um, and so this is, it's one 
step of the process to, you know, preserving this meat so it doesn't spoil. Gotcha. Um, you know, so it's kind of a, it's accomplishing two things with one stone. Okay. So your personal preference, do you like a sweeter, spicy? Yeah, my favorite is kind of a sweet, spicy, you know, um, again, which is the recipe I published uh, in the magazine this month. You know, it's just, uh, just a little bit of sweet and just a little bit of hot on the back of the tongue. Um, you know, I also like, you know, the smoky jerky. Uh, I'm not a big just sweet jerky fan, but I'm, you know, again, that's just my taste. It doesn't mean it's right or wrong. Right. Um, you know, some people like it spicy. It's just you got to kind of experiment and figure out what you like. Gotcha. So how long then, once, once, you've, uh, once you've created the brine, how long until or how long do you let that meat set in that brine? Most of the time, 48 hours. You know, but, again, it kind of depends on the thickness. Uh, a lot of the times I cut my meat a quarter inch thick. Um, but if you want something that's thinner, you know, then your brine won't take near as long to cure it, you know, or if you want it thicker, then it's going to take a little bit longer. Um, I will say if you go much over a quarter of an inch, the jerky is going to get real tough and real hard to chew, um, at least with a cowboy style. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I kind of think quarter inch is a happy medium between the two. And so most of the time, 48 hours will, will get you what you need, um, as far as not only curing the meat, but also infusing the flavors that you need. Right. Right. So, so after that, then it goes into like, do you use a dehydrator? Do you use an oven? Is there other methods, a smoker or whatnot? Yeah, you can use all three actually. Um, I started out just putting it all on the smoker. I have a pellet grill, um, was a smoker I had at the time. And so I just put it all on there and just dehydrate it that way. And it, it didn't turn out too bad. I just found that it got a little too smoky and a little too dry um and, and then then what i what my taste like um so i tried you know using the oven the oven just seemed to take too long and almost i couldn't get the oven temperature low enough i could only go down to 175 and so it seemed like that the meat actually got cooked and really didn't get dehydrated gotcha um so then i decided to quit being a tight ass and i went and bought a dehydrator um i just bought a dehydrator it's a nesco brand uh, it's like 60 bucks on Amazon. It's got stackable trays on them. Uh, I can put five pounds of jerky or five pounds of raw meat, you know, in this dehydrator. Um, so I did a batch like that and found that, you know, yep, this is this is what I'm after. This is the texture I'm after. Um, and then kind of started experimenting with trying to put some smoke into it, too. So I, in the meantime, this year I, I built a smoker out of an old deep freeze, an electric smoker, um, that works awesome. I set it up so I can put trays in there and actually made some bacon in it this year. That was by far the best bacon I've ever eaten in my life. Um, <laughs> on the first batch, it's incredible. I highly recommend it. Um, so I ended up smoking the jerky for about an hour um, first at a really low temperature and then moved it into the dehydrator and finished it out on there for, uh, I think it took 16 or 18 hours to finish dehydrating it. And I got the result I wanted, and it just turned out, you know, in my mind, perfect. Right, right. So you're able to put five pounds of meat in on one of the – uh, I guess dehydrators, how many total pounds of meat are you doing at, at a time? Uh, I usually do somewhere between three and five, um, okay. you know, depending on, you know, what I have, you know, in the package in the freezer. So it's not, it's not one of these things that, you know, you dedicate 10 pounds or 15 pounds out of your deer to jerky. You're not making all 10, 15 pounds of that at one time. No, no, just because, you know, my smoker's, or excuse me, I know that my dehydrator is going to hold five pounds. 
Gotcha. Um, you know, so I'll, I'll do it in different batches and, you know, and five pounds is a lot of slices of meat. I mean, it's, you know, I, it fills up the, you know, the big bowl that I have at home to put in the brine. It fills up my, um, dehydrator. You know, I have three trays that I can put in my smoker. It fills up all three of them trays. So I just, I know that five pounds is, you know, a good size batch for me. And I'll end up with, uh, three or four quart bags of jerky after that's done. Gotcha. Okay. So at a quarter inch and you're talking about somewhere after you smoke for an hour, uh, 16 hours in the, in the dehydrator, when that comes out, what kind of texture is it? Um, it's semi pliable would be the best way to describe it. Yeah. Um, I don't want it, you know, so when I try and bend it, it breaks. That's, that's way too far. Yeah. You know, I do want to be able to, to bend it almost, you know, 180 degrees around, you know, so the two ends touch, um, you know, in my mind, that's a good, there's still a little bit of moisture in there. So it's still a little bit chewable, you know, it's not, you know, doesn't feel like you're chewing on a piece of tree bark or something that way. Yeah. Um, and it's still, it's still preserved, you know, so. Yeah. That's one thing that I am, I, my preference for jerky is softer, softer chewing jerky as opposed to, I don't know. I call it I call it shoe leather jerky, where it's just real, <laughs> yeah. real tough, and you got to yeah. chew it forever. I know some of my buddies they really like that style. I'm more of a softer, a softer uh, jerky guy. And um, so after you take it then out of the dehydrator, do you have to let it set for a while, or can you instantly package it? I, I usually cool it down to room temperature. Um, I found that if you take the hot jerky out of the dehydrator, because the dehydrator is set at 160 degrees, um, if you take it out of that, put it right in the bags, you know, that little bit of moisture that's in there will start to condensate in the bag. Um, you know, and it just, I don't, I don't like that. I don't feel like it's getting preserved. So I let it sit out for an hour or two just to kind of give them the room temperature and then throw it in the bags and then throw it in the freezer. Gotcha. And is that where you keep your jerky then? In a freezer? Yeah, it is. Okay. Yeah, I, until I take a bag out, and then I just I keep it at room temp. And, you know, to be quite honest, I probably don't need to put it in the freezer. It's just, you know, my own peace of mind. Right. Uh, do you do you use vacuum seal bags or any specific type of packaging for your jerky after you take it out? I'm a big fan of vacuum sealers. I just I never have for the jerky. Uh, there's absolutely no reason you couldn't, and it will absolutely help it preserve it longer. Um you know, to be quite honest, it doesn't last long enough in my house to worry about it. So, right. um, you know, I just, I've never drug out the vacuum sealer and, you know, and put in the extra time to do it. So, yep. So if you were to make a whole bunch of jerky, what's the freezer life or the, I guess the quote unquote shelf life of jerky once it's been, you know, I guess once you package it? As long as it's it's cured fully and it's you know dried you know to the right percentage and you don't have much moisture in there, it, it can last a, a long, long time. You know your biggest risk of putting anything in the freezer is freezer burnt. You know, but um, you know it's already dehydrated. If you got it sealed off in the air, if it's vacuum sealed, you know well and tight. Um, I don't see any reason why you couldn't keep it in the freezer for a couple of years. Okay, all right. So then, as far as your the recipe that uh, you published in the magazine, and I'm sure it will be online too um, at the Iowa Sportsman website, but do you ever experiment with your 
your recipes or do you just kind of you you found one that really works and now you just you just keep going with what works well the one that uh, is published this month is one that i've actually modified you know five six times um and got it to where i like it Um, i've tried different kinds of hot sauces in it trying to find the you know the right kind of spice that i like Um, i experiment with sugar content Uh, i experimented with um, how long to smoke it um you know, I do it all in, in the same batch, you know, so I'd have the same batch and try three different things in the same batch, you know. So, um, like one of the first batches I did, I used three different kinds of hot sauce, and I determined from there which hot sauce I liked the best. You know, the next batch I, I smoked for an hour, and um, the next batch, excuse me, a third of it I smoked for an hour, the other third I smoked for four or five hours, and the other third I smoked, you know, until it was dehydrated completely. Um you know, I found out that an hour was what I liked the best. You know, so the batch after that, I used all white sugar um, for a third of it. And the other third, I used white and brown sugar combined. And for the other third, I used all brown sugar. And I found that I like brown sugar, you know, the best. So yeah. um, this kind of process of elimination and, um, you know, through all that, just kind of took a basic recipe and found, you know, a combination that I really like and all my friends seem to like. So. Yeah. Have you ever calculated how much time you actually spend in, let's say, making five, how much time goes into making five pounds of jerky? Um, I would say 60 seconds to take it out of the freezer. <laughs> right. Um, maybe five or six minutes to cut it up, probably 10 minutes to mix up the brine and put it in there. Um, you know, once it's in the brine or refrigerator, you just stir it, you know, three, four times a day. Um, probably 10, 15 minutes to get it out of the brine to blot it dry with the paper towels, which is important. If you don't, if you don't blot it dry after you dehydrate, it'll just be sticky. Um, and then you just leave it on dehydrate and you're pretty much just watching it, you know, for the next 16 hours or so, gotcha. uh, at the most, I would say three hours of, you know, actually hands on yeah. working with it at the, at the most. Gotcha. Okay. So one question I forgot was, once it's in the the uh, dehydrator, are you halfway through flipping the meat at all? I'm usually not, uh, just because of that that model dehydrator I use. Um, it's just not necessary. It circulates the air so well in there that I don't have to do anything. I literally just put it in there and you know, and I just leave it for 12 hours, and then I start checking it every 30 minutes to an hour until I get you know the texture and consistency I want. Gotcha. Okay. Have you done any other kind of jerky other than venison? Um, I did uh, beef jerky one time because I didn't have any venison um, at that point. I've I've been contemplating trying fish jerky, um, but I have not done that yet. Um, And I'm going to try some lamb jerky this year. Yeah, sounds good. You got the meat. For the most part, just, just what's that? You got the meat on hand for that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but for the most part, I just use venison because it's, you know, essentially free and right there in front of me. Yeah. So, when it, you know, if someone's listening to this, right, and they say, I'm going to give it a try, what would you recommend as, you know, keep an eye out for this or make sure you don't do this or, you know, anything that we really have to watch out for to, you know, prevent them from screwing it all up and wasting a whole bunch of deer meat? Um, the two biggest things, 
would say well, maybe three biggest things is make sure all the fat's off. Um, if you have fat on there, it will spoil. Um, the other thing is, you know, your cure time. If you don't cure it long enough and you set it out at room temperature, you, you can spoil it. Um, so if anybody has a chance to look at the magazine article, there's two pictures in there. Um, one of them is a piece of, you know, raw flaccid meat before it's cured. And you can see how when I'm holding it, it just, you know, it's completely flaccid and just falls, you know, right over the top of my hand. Then there's a picture of a piece of cured meat. Um, you know, and it's kind of semi-rigid. You know, it's very firm to the touch. Um, you know, that's how you know that it's cured because the moisture has left and the muscles kind of constricted and all that salt and sugar and, and seasoning has came, has went into the meat. Um, you know, so making sure that you have the right amount of cure in it. Um, after that, you know, just making sure you dehydrate it to the point that you want. Um, if you over dehydrate it, you know, it would get hard in that shoe leather texture that we discussed, um, which, you know, is usually not palatable to most people. So um, it's really hard to rehydrate turkey and make it taste like it did before. Yeah. Um, so try not to overdo it. Gotcha. Gotcha. So. Now, so then let's see. With With all that said, is there a way that you can tell if, like by smell or by taste, if you screwed up and it's bad, I mean, is it going to taste like crap? Uh, I would say it's either not going to have any seasoning or flavor to it at all, which means you didn't get enough cure into it. Um, if you over cure it, it could be really, really salty or really, really strong flavored. Um, as far as it going bad or going rancid, um, I mean, it'll just smell like rotten meat, you know, yeah. but, um, unless you leave it out raw, you know, for a couple of days, I, I don't see any reason why you would ever have that issue, you know, because you're, you're taking a semi frozen meat and you're putting it straight into a brine in the refrigerator, you know, once it's cured and, and you know, out of the brine, you're taking it out and it's going right into the smoker, you know, and or dehydrator. So, um, there really should be no reason for it to go bad. Perfect. Well, I think uh, I think you've convinced me that I need to buy a dehydrator and give this a try. You know what? It, jerky is one of them things that sounds intimidating, but once you try it once, it's so easy. You know, and you can get a nice dehydrator for fifty or sixty bucks that'll, you know, do jerky, and you can make fruit rolls for the kids. You know, if you got leftover fruit, you can throw it on there and dehydrate it before it goes bad. I mean, it's just it's so handy and. Um, once you find out how easy it is, you know, you can make so many batches of jerky that will pay for that dehydrator in, in no time flat. Right. You know, I, I was at the store today, you know, and I'm seeing pounds of one pound of jerky for like 10 to $15. Yeah. You know, so literally with one batch of five pounds of, you know, meat, I am literally paying for this dehydrator in one batch. Yeah. 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 It makes a lot of sense. Now all I need to do is, uh, kill some more deer and get my freezer yeah. full to where, to where I can do that, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, beef's getting so expensive anymore. I mean, you obviously always use beef or, you know, you know, whatever meat you want, but, I mean, three, four dollars a pound, it makes it tough to, you know, to yeah. buy beef to do it with. Yeah. Have you ever uh, tried making jerky from white meat, like uh, wild turkey or chicken or anything like that? I never did. I tried it once. Uh, a friend of mine made a ground jerky um, with wild turkey, and it was just not my cup of tea. So yeah. I never have. 
Um, I, I, you know, there is people that like it and, you know, that eat it all the time. So it's, uh, you know, it's definitely something that you can do. It's just a matter of, um, you know, figuring out the, the right combination of spices and seasonings that, you know, that you like. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mr. Turner, man, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast today and chatting with us about uh, how you make jerky, and uh, I appreciate your time. Yeah, it's fun. I hope we can do it again. <laughs>